Praise God, everybody. I call you blessed. Welcome to midweek service. We're so glad that you've chosen to, to check in and to be a part of this service with us. I call you blessed. You know what we always say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I'm just glad to be out, praise God. Glad to be out and about. Glad to be sitting here in the house of God. And glad to be connected with you today. Let me offer up a quick prayer. Father, we give you honor and glory <clears throat> this evening. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty goodness, for your healing power. We thank you that you are with us through every single thing that we go through. Tonight, may this service bring glory to you in everything that we do. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and say amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, a little bit different. We're not having uh, any music this evening. Uh, I'm afraid that for the next little bit, you're just going to have to put up with hearing from me. I imagine you can probably handle that for just a little while. Uh, if that's true, go ahead and hit the like button or the thumbs up or something and let us know. I want to let you know that Diane and I are, are doing well. Um, we both now have negative COVID tests. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We are, of course, still uh, working through the loss of mom. That's been difficult. <clears throat> but the, uh, the saving grace behind it all, I guess, is that uh, now she can see, now she can run, and now she can dance. Amen. And we're so thankful that uh, she was able to have an experience with the Lord Jesus. And as I've told Miss Diane a few times, not just able to really capture a relationship with Jesus Christ, but mom got to see in real time what a real church looks like, the love of the body of Christ. You guys, amazing. And it's a big deal for her salvation, I believe, even today. <clears throat> Excuse me for uh, coughing a little bit. Still working through the last little bit of the residuals from the flu. I am COVID negative, but we are doing still all of the... Um, precautions and protocols. I have learned, of course, that this COVID thing is real. It's not a hoax. I've said more than once, kind of in jest, you know, that we shouldn't put our heads in the sand and not think somehow that this thing's not going to come visit us, up, visit us up here in this cornfield. You know, we've kind of said that in jest, but it has visited us. Uh, it's, it's just a um, uh, amazing how quickly it runs and how quickly it spreads and how deadly that it is. Uh, of course, I was very, very sick. Uh, Diane, uh, she had said several times that she had never been, ha had the flu as badly and been as sick in her entire life. And of course, uh, it took mom's life in about a week. It took about a week. So this is a very serious thing. I'm taking it very seriously. Uh, I want to encourage all of us to use proper precautions. That is not, <coughs> excuse me, that is not um, acting because of some, um, um, some what's it called? Uh, conspiracy theory, that's the words that I was trying to get out. This is a real deal, and so I want to encourage you to take it seriously. I want to encourage you to be cautious we have to use wisdom. We have to use prudence. And, you know, and I just, I think that's one of the reasons we've just closed uh, the building down uh, for a few weeks uh, to give everybody an opportunity to kind of regroup. And, uh, and I want to say this, that when we do 
uh, come back together, or when you're, you know, even about going out and about. If you're sick, if you're, if you're showing some sickness symptoms, flu symptoms, and I just want to encourage you to just to stay at home. That being said, if you're sick, I want you to call me. I want you to call me so I can pray with you and I can stand with you in faith and I can believe for your healing just the way that all of y'all did the same for me. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 5, let me read it to you. You can get your Bibles out, by the way. We're not going to put any scriptures up on the screen. And so you can just kind of follow along. But the fifth chapter of James, <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 13, is any among you suffering, or I think the King James may say afflicted, then he must pray. See, we're given some instructions about what we're supposed to do when sickness and affliction comes on us. Is any among you suffering? Is any among you afflicted? Affliction is about everything in life that could be bringing us down. What are we supposed to do? Uh oh. He says, then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? Come on, if you're happy, then let him sing praises. But here it is, verse 14. Is any, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. Now, I want you to notice, please, that it didn't say the elders of the church are supposed to call him or her. It said that the person who is sick is supposed to call upon the church, and the church, in, in turn, is supposed to, to pray for you. That's why I said, if you're sick, you know what? Don't go, ah, it's just a little thing, and I don't want to bother, Pastor. Call me up. Send me a text. Do something so that I can at least encourage you pray with you and let you know that I'm standing in faith with you. And so we're going to be wise. We're going to be prudent. We are not going to let fear dictate our actions. Come on, somebody say amen. We're going to stand in faith on the Word of God. Amen? <clears throat> we're not going to panic. We're not going to run. We're not going to be in confusion because we know whom we pray to and whom we confess. Amen? <clears throat> we're not going to allow worry fret or despair to consume our thinking at all because we know how to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We put our confidence in Jesus Christ, amen, and we proclaim that we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers through Christ Jesus, just as Jonathan so eloquently preached just a couple of weeks ago. Let me get a sip of my tea. <clears throat> We have, brothers and sisters, 28 days to save our nation. We're almost halfway through the 40 days to save our nation prayer and fasting event that we're doing together. And to the best of my ability, even through all of these struggles that we have faced, I have contacted the primary prayer person for each one of those days and let them know I'm praying with you. Every single day I have been praying with you who have signed up to be a part of this. And I want you to know that I'm supporting everyone in this process every single day as a part of this team. However, here we are just short of 28 days left before the election. Hard to believe. 28 days to save our nation. It seems like it was only yesterday that we started out with 40 days to save our nation, and here we are with 28 days. <clears throat> we have a responsibility regarding the outcome of the future of this nation. You and I as believers, look at me, y'all. You and I as believers have a responsibility 
as it relates to the outcome of the future of our nation. Unfortunately, and I've not been able to find any scriptures that specifically say to the Christian, thou shalt vote or else. I can't find one. I've been looking real hard. I wish there was one there. But I did find a couple of scriptures that I believe put the onus of responsibility on us as believers to let our voices to be let our voices be heard. And the way that we let our voices be heard in this modern day is through voting. In Deuteronomy chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter one, verse 13 says, Choose wise and discerning experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them over you as your heads. Did you notice that it said the people were to choose wise and discerning and experienced people over the nation? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. You and I have a responsibility in this election, y'all. <clears throat> Don't just sit back and say, well, it's the end time, the Lord's coming, it's all going to be over soon either way. Either way it goes, whoever wins, it's just going to be hell breaking loose everywhere. I don't, I'm, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Listen. You have a responsibility as a believer to let your voice be heard, to stand up for biblical principles, to stand up for truth, to stand up for that which is right. And I want to encourage you along those lines. There may be two candidates on this ticket, four if you count the VP candidates, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Joe Biden, and uh, Kamala Harris. My pastor said something last night to me that really stuck with me. He said, we got to look past these individuals and look at the machine that drives them because that's ultimately what we're voting for. Listen carefully. No matter how you want to look at this, this isn't about you voting for Donald Trump or voting for Joe Biden. This is about you voting for the machine, the forces that push them, and also standing in the gap against the spiritual forces that are at work here. Because there is a spiritual disease in our nation, and it can only be cured by a spiritual cure, a spiritual remedy. Where does that come from? People of God who will stand up and let their voices be heard. So in the conclusion of it all, it isn't about Trump, it isn't about Biden, it's about a Republican Party platform and a Democrat Party platform. It's not about who you are voting for. Get past the who, y'all. It's not about who you're voting for. It's about what you're voting for. Let me say that again. It's not about who you're voting for. It's about what you are voting for. When the rubber hits the road, you must do as a believer, you must do the right thing. What must we do for someone who calls themselves a disciple of Jesus Christ, someone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ, what must you do for someone who calls themselves a Christian? You must vote for the platform. You must vote for the impetus. You must vote for the machine, not the who, but the what that most closely resembles the Word of God. And thus saith the Lord. This is, your, this is your assignment and my assignment as believers, brothers and sisters, beloved. It's not about that personality up there, whether you like them or not. It's about that driving force that's behind them. 
That's what you're voting for or against. And you better make sure that your vote, if you call yourself a believer, and yeah, I know I'm pointing at you, I'm supposed to do it like that, but I'm pointing at you as a pastor, as a preacher, uh, standing before you today to tell you that you need to vote for the platform that most closely resembles the powerful Word of God, and not about the who. It's about the what. It's about the what. So if you'll go, uh, there's a, a, a document that I have, and this is the party platform comparison to 20, for 2020. Uh, I'm not going to read a bunch of this out, uh, at all, probably even this evening, because I've got some other things that I want to talk to you about. Um, but this is uh, a document that you can get for yourself. Now, I'm going to repeat this a few times slowly, because I want you to be able to get it. You might want to write this down, because I want you to be able to go online and download this document about the comparison between the Democrat and the Republic, Republican Party. <clears throat> so, because my goal is to take the who out of it. Let's take Donald Trump out of it. Let's take Joe Biden out of it. Let's talk about the party platform, the machine that drives, the driving force behind them. That's what you're voting for or what you're voting against. Hear me, hear me, beloved. This is so critical and so important. So get a pen, get a paper, write this down. If you'll go to frcaction.org, frcaction.org, and you can download this, this document. All you got to do is you got to go to the link that, that says voting resources. It's right up in near the top. I did it today. You hit the tab that says voting resources, and there'll be a little menu that will open up, and you can click party platforms. When you click that, you'll be sent to a page where you will see a Republican, or excuse me, you'll see a party platform banner. Click that banner and a copy of this uh, document will show up. So let me, let me say that again. <clears throat> Go to frcaction.org and, and then click Voting Resources tab. It's right on the first page. Boom. Voting Resources tab. And then it'll be a little drop-down menu that shows up, and you can click Party Platforms tab. And then it's going to switch to a brand new page, and on that page there's a banner called Party Platforms. Click that Party pa Platforms uh, banner, and you can download your document of this comparison. I want you to do this. I really want you to go get this. I'm going to be talking about some of this on Sundays leading up to the election. <coughs> Excuse me, I apologize for the cough. And, and listen, please hear me, brothers and sisters. Hear me, as, as Deanna Zucker will say, people of God. Hear me, people of God. Hear me, beloved. You must register to vote. Can I say it any more clearly? You must register to vote. You've got to let your voice be heard. You've got to be counted as one who stands up for the truth of the Word of God. Now, that's going to take me back to that website again, frcaction.org. Click Voting Resources. When you click Voting Resources, I said there was a drop-down menu, and one of those things was party platforms. One of the other things under that area is, is voter registration. You can literally register to vote on this website, become a registered voter. Can I help you? When you become a registered voter, go vote. Do it. Think about this. Remember, you're not voting. It's not about who you're voting for. 
It's about what you're voting for. And I'm going to be talking more about these party platform differences over the next couple of weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. Tonight, I want to talk to you about 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now, you might be thinking, well, whoa, 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 hold, hold the horses, stop the presses. I thought midweek service was to talk about end times. What does Jesus want us to know about end times? And let me hear me, brothers and sisters. I believe with all of my heart that what I'm about to talk to you about tonight is at the very heart of preparing God's people for the Lord's coming. That's what I'm doing. Sometimes we talk about end times and the Lord's coming. We think it should just be an exposition of the book of Revelation. That's not correct, y'all. I'm here to not to expose and make an exposition of Revelation, but to prepare you for the Lord's coming. I wish you'd give the Lord a praise for that. We've, we've built much of our work in the ministry over these 25 years on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It is at the very core and heartbeat of who I am as a pastor, who I am as a believer, and how I, wanna, how I believe the Lord has instructed me to lead his church. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Now, I'm going to read from a couple of different translations of the word. The first one is the King James Version. <coughs> if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin here it is, and will heal their land. The if my people will do this, then I will do that, the Lord says. Now, I want you to listen to this same text from the message translation of the Bible. And my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their back on their wicked lives I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven. I'll forgive your sins, and I will restore your land to health. I hope you all are hearing me. I know you've heard this from me so many times. You're thinking, well, that's kind of a repeat of a message. Yeah, and I'll repeat it until you all start doing it. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> and so it's about if we'll do this, then God will do that. What's the big if? Here we start off with this one phrase, people called by his name. I love the way the message uh, Bible puts it. God defined people. People defined by God. People defined by godliness. People defined by holiness. This is talking about the people who are living a life that is marked as belonging to God. Do you live a life that's marked by belonging to God? Can, can, can someone who is a, a heathen non-believer <coughs> tell any difference about you than their other heathen non-believer? In the Jewish life, boys and men, they would wear a, an outer garment that was uh, known as a prayer shawl, and it was an identifying mark. It says that we are the people of God. We are the children of God. Now, our identifying mark is not a, a, a prayer shawl on the outside. Our identifying mark is the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. In our lives, the blood is the spiritual thing, unlike that 
prayer shawl, which was a physical thing. However, in our case, the, you know, the, the spiritual garment can't be seen, per se, like the prayer shawl could be seen. So what do we do? <coughs> Excuse me. I wish I didn't have this, but I got it, and I got to put up with it. So for the next 35 minutes, you got to put up with it too, praise God. <clears throat> Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Are you doing all right? Good. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read this same passage of Scripture through in the New American Standard Bible and also in the Message Bible. Here it is in the New American Standard. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I think I just found another scripture about why you should vote. Because you're salt, and because you're light, and your salt should be salty, and your light should be lit. Amen? Praise God. Lit for all the world to see. So I want to encourage you in this. Now let me reread it from the Message Bible, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I love this. I love this. Let me, and I'm reading now. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Ouch. Man, that's a tough preaching right there. Verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine! Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God this generous Father in heaven. By gummies, I think I found myself another you-need-to-vote scripture. Because you're supposed to be bringing the God flavors to this world. Remember, it's not about who you vote for, it's about what you're voting for. And I'm, I've said this before, and I'm just going to say it. People are going to be mad at me, and I'm sure there's critics that's going to have something to say about it. But if you vote down a party line even though you know that a party line like the Democratic Party, Democratic Party stands for, for the most part, stands for abortions right up to the time of birth. Are you kidding me? If you vote for that kind of thing just because of a party line, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep, I'm, I know you're going to be mad at me about it, but you're going against the holy word of God, and that's sin, brothers and sisters. I can't say it any clearer. This ain't the time to play around with this. This ain't the time to kick the can down the road. This is a time in life when we need to do what is right because we are in the last days and the Lord is coming. Mm. He ain't just coming for everybody. There's going to be a separation of the goat from the sheep. 
There's going to be a separation of the wheat from the tares. Let me explain that to you a little bit. In that field of wheat grow up a, grows up a weed, a destructive weed known as a terror. Closely resembles the wheat. And it's so incorporated into the field that if you go out and try to pull the tares out, it'll tear out the wheat at the same time. And the Lord in the last days, he's going to separate the tares from the wheat. They're in the same field, y'all. It's not talking about church people and heathen people. This is talking about people in the same field or the sheep and the goat. Goats are a part of the sheepfold just like the sheep are a part of the sheepfold. Goats play a whole different role in this thing and it's not a pretty role. And there'll come a time when God will make a separation between the goats and between the sheep. That's what the Word of God says. Y'all get mad at Pastor Rick if you want to, but you're just getting mad at the Word of God. There's going to be a separation. So which field are you in? Are you you a tear or are you a wheat? Are you a goat or are you a sheep? Might be about time you humble yourself a little bit. That's the second thing. People who humble themselves. People called by God, by the name of God. People... Excuse me, people defined by God if they will humble themselves. We are called to humble ourselves. This means to be brought down low in humility and submission. Now, the word tells us that this is our responsibility. It's my responsibility to humble Rick Lopez, not to humble you. It's your responsibility to humble yourself. The English dictionary says it this way to lower one's condition, to lower one's own importance, to destroy the independence, power, and will of the person or the thing. I remember when I got free from drugs, it was all about step three. Step three was turning my will and my life completely over to God. It was about humbling myself, lowering my own independence upon my self-will, upon my ability to take care of things, lowering my own opinion of my self-importance and recognizing I can't do anything without God. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. James 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm, let's see. Uh, Do I want God opposing me, or do I want him giving me grace? Come on, y'all, that's a no-brainer. I want him giving me grace. So we got to choose in this lifetime to humble ourselves before the Lord. So what do we have here so far? we got, number one, a people called by the name of God, God God-defined people. we got people who humble themselves. And then the third thing is people who pray. My goodness, y'all, that one just about goes without explanation. It's, it, it is both an, uh, a privilege and a mandate to pray, to have that opportunity. God says not only should we pray, but you must pray. We are supposed to be a people of prayer. And I believe that prayer is not only a benefit, I believe it's a command of God. Jesus said in Matthew, when you pray, not if you pray. It says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but when you pray, 
Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How, to, how about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18? With all prayer and petition, prayer at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. How about 1 Thessalonians 5, 17? Pray without stopping. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. How about 1 Timothy 2, 8? Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. We're people of prayer. We just finished having a return Saturday prayer service uh, all around 714, and we recognize that as an end times event. The blowing of the shofar, the speaking of the blessing, the prayers of the people, the multitudes massing together in repentance. Why? To have an opportunity to see God heal our land. So here we are, people who are called by God, people who humble themselves, people who pray, people who seek God. I think there's a difference between just praying and seeking God. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times over the years. Pursue, chase, search after God with all your heart, with everything that's in you. Search for God, go after him, chase after him. Deuteronomy chapter 4, 29, seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Did you see the common thread there? The common thread is that it takes your whole heart. Can I help you with something? You can't seek the Lord while you're watching the football game. <laughs> you can't seek the Lord while you're watching. You better shut that thing off. Get on your knees before the Lord. Get in your prayer closet, metaphorically, and begin to seek the Lord. The common thread is about doing it with your whole heart. We all, with all of our being, with all of our strength, with all of our mental faculties, with everything in us, we've got to seek God. We've got to chase after him. We've got to pursue his word We've got to pursue his will with all of our might, with everything that's in us. And then here comes the one that's, I've, I've, I've come to believe over the course of this year. Now, I've believed it for years, don't, don't take me wrong. But since I've started doing 714 seven months ago, because of when this COVID thing hit, this is what's really impacted my heart. Oh, for the most part, we've done a pretty fair job of looking like we're called by God. We've done a pretty fair job of, I suppose, maybe humbling ourselves. Man, maybe we've been all right with the prayer thing and been all right with the seeking God thing, but we have not been all right with this one. And that is people who repent. So many times we think of repentance as being a hard thing. And yes, it can be a hard thing. Because you have to take ownership of your sin. You have to take ownership of your shortcoming, of your fault, of your wickedness, of the evil that's in your heart and in your mind. You have to take ownership of it. And you have to go before God in repentance, taking ownership of it and saying, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And yet he puts his arms around you and he embraces you and draws you in. But you need to know something, and not only can repentance be a hard thing sometimes, but it, can, it brings refreshing to your life. 
You go ahead and hold on to that sin and harbor that sin in your life, and your life's going to start getting just milked away, just milked away, seeped away. You'll, bring up, you'll, be, you'll get weak, you'll get slow, you'll get lethargic. You need repentance, my brothers and sisters. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll take it. I'll take that refreshing. Amen? I like the sound of it, don't you? Did you notice it says, therefore repent and return. Come back. Come back to your first love. Do the things you were doing in the beginning. Do it with vigor. And if you do it, I'll wipe your sins away. What did he say in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people will repent, then I will forgive their sins. We've not been good at that part. We expect, we've done everything up to that point and still expect God to do all his stuff. Can I help you with something? It ain't going to happen that way. It's sad, but it's true. It's not going to happen that way. So, but I say, come on, pour out the refreshing blessings. Amen. Well, where do they come from? They come from repentance. Much to our chagrin, these showers of refreshing blessings must first be preceded by repentance. Let me say that again, beloved. These showers of refreshing blessings must first be preceded by repentance. Yeah, just sit there for a minute and think about that. Oh, Lord, what do I need to repent of? And then do it. Come to the Lord in true contrition of heart. Repent of your sin. So in closing, if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll get rid of our own sense of self-importance, if we'll lower the condition of, 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 of us being the ruler of our lives and truly let the Lord be the king of kings, if we'll act like we're actually God-defined, <laughs> That people can tell that you're salt, that you're light. Quit hiding. Quit putting your light under a bushel. That's not what the Lord wants. He wants you on a hilltop, so to speak, metaphorically, for everyone to see. You need to start shining your light. And then if we'll repent, we got, yeah, we got to pray, we got to seek him, amen, hallelujah. But if we'll repent, then he will hear our prayers. Then he'll forgive our sins. Then he'll heal our land. And I'll tell you right now that, that very much of the whole return uh, thing on Saturday the 26th was about repentance so that the Lord will heal our land. But you got to do all that stuff, y'all. You got to humble yourself. You got to pray. You got to seek his face. And you got to repent of your sins if you want him to hear your prayers, forgive your sins, and heal your land. I know I'm being straightforward about this, but I've been locked up in the house for two weeks, and <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy right now. Praise God. Well, I'm not crazy, of course, but I am serious about this. And this is very much about preparing God's people for his coming, because there's a whole lot of good supposed Christian folks who are going to be left behind. They're not going to make it. Because they haven't repented. 
They're still living in that sin and still holding on to that sin and trying to do their best to make that sin God-chosen and God-approved. And if it's against this word, it's against God. And if it's against God, it is sin. And sin will not make it to heaven. If we'll do our part, he'll do, a, he'll do his. I know that. However, you need to hear the opposite side of that. If we don't do our part, he's under no obligation to do his. What's our part? Humble ourselves, pray, chase after him, repent. That's our part. Humble ourselves, pray, chase after him, and repent. That's our part. What's our part? Humble yourself, chase after him, pray, repent. What's his part? He says, if you'll do these things, and here's what I'm going to do, I'll hear your prayers. I'll forgive your sins, and I'll take it one step further, and I'll heal your land. Brothers and sisters, our land is in trouble. Our land is in so much trouble right now that I'm not sure that there's going to be a good outcome other than the coming of the Lord. And I'm trying to prepare my life in such a way as to not be left behind, but to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And so my encouragement to you this evening is let's make these 28 days be the best 28 days, the best shot at this passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, to coming to life, to coming to bear, coming through, coming true. We have 28 days. 28 days left in this journey of praying to save our nation. Are you hooked up to it? Are you a part of it? Are you a part of this church and you've decided, I don't think I want to hook up to that prayer thing. Let somebody else do it. I'm sorry. I almost said shame on you. Maybe I should say, may the conviction of the Holy Spirit prick your heart. I'm not mad. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm off quarantine. I'm out of the house, but I'm fired up. And I get an opportunity to sit in this building right now and look directly at you in this camera and speak to you with all of my heart as your pastor who loves you. I can't love you like Jesus loves you, but I can love you with the God kind of love that he has spread abroad in my heart. And I'm just imploring you, I'm beseeching you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to know what is that perfect and good and acceptable will of God. 28 days. That's what we got, y'all. 28 days. And I'm not saying that in 28 days it's going to get much better. But we have a chance. God has given his people chances over and over and over and over again 
to change the tide, to change the wind, to change the stream. And we've sat idly by in our church buildings and on our four-inch cushions, and we've just said, well, it's not going to happen here in this little cornfield. Uh, hello. It will come to visit. COVID has come to visit. Let's make these 28 days until November 3rd be the best shot at this passage of Scripture in our lives thus far. It's like the two-minute warning. You're down on the goal line, fourth down, seconds to go. Got one last shot. One last shot. Everybody's got to work together. And you've got to push forward with all your heart and with all your might to make it happen. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity tonight, tonight to share this word. And I pray that our hearts have been opened and our minds have been opened and our ears have been opened to hear, to understand, and to receive. Help us to realize, Father, that we have a responsibility in this age. We have a responsibility in this time frame, this 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 part of history. We have a responsibility. As believers, we have a responsibility. And may we also, by your great Holy Spirit, be reminded <coughs> and not lose sight of the fact that when we vote, we are not voting for an individual. We're not voting for a who, but we're voting about the machine that drives that individual. We're voting about the forces that are behind them. We're voting about the platforms that are there. Help us to recognize that, that, that it's not who we're voting for, it's what we're voting for. And may what we vote for be so in line with your word, God. That all the forces of heavens of the heavens and all the angels of God can rally together like fiery soldiers pushing forward the kingdom of God and helping us push forward the truth of God's word. Lord Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it be so, let it be true, let it be so. Forgive us, Father, forgive us, Lord, for sitting idly by and waiting for someone else to do something. Forgive us, God, for turning a blind eye or sticking our heads in the sand because we're just sick and tired of hearing all the negative news and deciding, well, I don't want to know anymore. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for not reading your word every single day. Forgive us for not praying to you every single day in dedicated prayer and devotions. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. And help us humble ourselves. Help us truly be a people of prayer. Help us to truly be a people that pursue you with all of our hearts. Help us be a people that repent. 
so that seasons of refreshing can come. Father, many of us not only need a season of refreshing in our own personal life, but our nation, our world needs a reprieve, needs a season of refreshing. Oh, my Lord and my Jesus, I give you honor and I give you glory. In the blessed name of Jesus and all the saints of God said amen and amen. Before I let you go, I want to give you a blessing. You heard this as well on Saturday the 26th during the return when Rabbi Khan spoke this at the very end. And he spoke from Numbers chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 24 through 27, where God told Moses and Aaron to speak these words over my people. And as you do, I'm going to place my name on them and I'm going to bless them. And as I speak these same words over you today, uh, as you look to the Father in faith, as we look together, he's going to place his name on you, and he's going to bless you in a fresh, brand new way. I believe it with all of my heart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face to you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you, and may the Lord give you peace. And I pray that you leave uh, this service tonight strengthened in love and in the peace of the Lord. I love you. God bless you. Keep your nose in the book. <laughs> Keep your knees bent to heaven. Stay connected to the body of Christ. We'll see you on Sunday morning. God bless.